I want to share a word of the Lord I believe is going to help you today. There are three words that I heard in my spirit repeatedly, 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 and I couldn't get away from them. I mean, and uh, they're in your Bible, of course, but it's faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. How many know Corinthians says the greatest of these is love, right? But you can't stop. You, you've got you've to look at faith. You've got to exercise faith at all times. Look at your neighbor and say, all times. You must exercise your faith. Faith is like a muscle. You know this analogy. If you don't use it, how many know you're going to lose it? And then hope is connected. I want to talk to you about that. Hope is, you can't, they're, they're inseparable. They're like peanut butter and jelly. How many of you like peanut butter and jelly? I mean, peanut butter is okay, but how many know it's better with jelly on it? Or like my wife, she puts bananas on her peanut butter, right? There you go. She has the anointing over there, amen? Praise God. <laughs> amen. And then love. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a minute, but I like to start with something funny. And if you're turning in your Bibles, you could turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. I want to welcome everybody online watching out there. I'm amazed how many people say they watch this on a regular basis. How many of you have watched this broadcast before? Look at the hands. How many of you watched it before you ever came to the church? Oh, keep your hand up just a minute. Look around here. Look how many, how many. God bless you guys. Amen. My heart is so full this morning. And uh, I'm so thankful for what God is doing. We're going to be up Thrive tonight at 6.30. How many of you have not been to Thrive yet? Thrive Church Honesdale, our satellite campus up there. Oh, wow, just some of us. Well, make it a point to be there. Get up there, and uh, it'll bless you. Amen. We, uh, you know, have, we rotate our musicians and all that stuff. Um, and uh, great things are happening up there. I heard about an 85-year-old man. He was fishing. And uh, he just kind of liked to be left alone fishing. Any fishermen in the house? Yeah. And anybody like to be at a lake besides me? I don't know, something about a lake. It's just right ahead. It's calm and peaceful and tranquil. And so he was fishing one day. It was a beautiful uh, early fall morning. And all of a sudden, he hears this voice, this very small voice, over the side of the boat in the water saying, pick me up. Pick me up like that. It was a real high, like a female voice. Pick me up. And he's like, well, there's no one around here except me and the Lord. And he said, I, so he looked down and there was a frog in the water. And the frog says, pick me up and kiss me. <laughs> Can you imagine this silly story? And he picks his frog up and she says, now kiss me. And he just looks at this thing and says, kiss you, a frog, a talking frog. And she says, kiss me and I will turn into a beautiful 22-year-old bride, full of life, vigor, energy, you know, and uh, just radiant. Kiss me. And he puts the frog in his pocket. She said, why did you put me in your pocket? I said you're to kiss me and I'll turn into a 22-year-old beautiful bride for you. He said, no offense, sweetheart, but at 85 years old, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> Praise God. All right. That's the only Joel Osteen joke I know. Okay. 
as Brother Ted would say, and my son and so many others. <laughs> what is faith? So I want to talk to you about how do we exercise faith at all times. Everybody say all times. Because it's good to understand this, folks. We're living in, you know, and I'm not a doom and gloomer. You know that. We're, we're, this is a, a house of faith. Uh, but these are pretty much unprecedented times. How many of you would agree with that? Amen. One man told me this week, uh, Mike, he said, you know, he said, we got a break from talking about the Delta variant because of Afghanistan. And I said, well, I don't like to talk about either one of them, to be honest with you. Because how many know your words are forming your future? Your words become your reality. Come on. Word of faith, people. What you speak is what's is going to, uh, you're going to frame your world. You're going to walk in it by your, actually by your words. And that's either good or bad. You believe that? Amen. Amen. Of course. And so faith, we have to talk about faith. We have to define it first. The Bible says, Hebrews eleven six. you know this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. So again, I want to give you how today, how. So faith, we could say is like this, is an anchor. How many know faith is an anchor for the soul? Faith is an anchor for our soul. When we go through times, when we go through uh, storms or whatever it might be, we need an anchor for our soul. Now, how many know if you have an anchor, you've got to throw it overboard? But watch this. If it's not connected to anything, you're going to lose the anchor. If it's not connected to anything, you're going to lose the anchor. You're going to lose that which you have believed. And the Bible actually talks about that. And I'll get to that in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So how do we respond when faith is challenged? Well, we've got to understand, first of all, that our faith must be connected to the authority of God. Our faith, here's your first point if you're a note taker like I am. By connecting your faith to his authority. The authority of what? The authority of the word of God. Come on. The authority, authority of his power. Can you say amen? amen? By the authority that we receive from him. So my faith has to be connected to his word, his power. And to know that Jesus, regardless what happens in my life, has the final say. Can you say amen? amen? And so once you connect your faith to his authority, you'll understand how to exercise your faith at all times. If you don't connect your faith to his authority, it's going to be a big problem. I just want to say it like that, okay? Say so you got scripture for that? Oh, lots of them. But I'll just give you one. Turn to Mark chapter 4, if you would. Mark chapter 4, I know you know this, but verse 35 tells us that uh, the disciples were out in the boat, and all of a sudden, a big old storm kicked up, big uh, winds and waves, and they were freaking out, man. I mean, they were, you know, isn't it interesting that the disciples are so much like we are at times? Amen. Have you ever got shaken up by something? Amen. Could be a... a, a a diagnosis of health, right? It could be a, a, maybe a financial report. It could be something with kids. It could be a sickness. It could be the word cancer. It could be uh, the year of 2020. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Do I need to say more on this? And so they're in a storm and they're freaking out, kind of like everybody is now. A lot of people are just freaking out over what's happening in the world. 
And you could tell what's in their heart by the words they're speaking because the more people talk about, uh, there's a new variant, and oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? It sounds a lot like the disciples. Because this storm's going on, and the Bible says, come on, you know this, it says, but I'll read it to you anyway, you know. Uh, on the same day, when the evening had come, they said, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. How many know Jesus knew the storm was between point A and point B? But he still said, let's cross over. Ooh, that's worth the price of the mission, and it didn't even cost anything to get in here. Okay. He said, let us cross over the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with them because Jesus had a following everywhere he went. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So water's filling up the boat. And how many know their boots are getting wet? Okay, so it's serious. I mean, this is like wind and waves and storm and dark. Um, I was at the Sea of Galilee. I've gone across it four or five times in an old school boat like the disciples would have been. And uh, man, um, I remember asking the tour guide, because when we were out there, it was just like a sheet of glass. Remember, honey? I mean, just beautiful. And if you get an opportunity to go to the Holy Lands with us uh, in February, go with us. It'll change your life. But I remember asking the tour guide, does it get really like this out here? Does it really get like crazy? He's like, you would not believe the storms. He said, they can get swales of water that will kick up, could be 20, 30 foot. And it just capsized boats in this, in this Sea of Galilee, which is actually a big lake. It would kind of be like uh, Lake Wallapalpac, if I could use that reference locally. And so... There's a windstorm arose, and the waves beat on the boat, and it was already filling, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. How many know it might not have been Mike Lindell's pillow? <laughs> Can I say this, Lord? He said, go ahead. Uh, Dr. Martin Santiago was with us a couple weeks ago. You know, Martin, a wonderful Brooklyn tab, all that, you know great gifted musician and he said you know people of faith I'm puzzled now he's there's a guy with two earned doctorates a medical doctorate he's brilliant okay and he's so humble and usually the people who are most accomplished have you noticed people of faith are usually the most humble and he said but what puzzles me pastor and I love to talk to him because I feel like I'm just I'm just like a sponge when I'm around I just soaking in what he's saying he said, you know, what just puzzles me is that people of faith get so worried and worked up just like people who don't even know Jesus sometimes. And I just can't understand it. Have you, have you ever asked that question? Come on, I'm a, I'm a question asker. I, I used to always say, why, 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 when I was a kid? Because we said so. You know, even when I was a kid, well, tell me why. I want to know why. How many know inquiring minds want to know? Yeah, and he said, what puzzles me is that people of faith get so worried. And if you have faith in God, why are you worrying? And he said, and he said, the one that tops them all, I heard the other day, and this is when he was here a couple weeks ago, I said, what is it? He said, this one person who's very close to me said, you know, I, I'm just so afraid about the future because, and they're like, you know, how many know if you're drinking a pot of coffee watching CNN, you're probably going to be a person of fear, okay? Come on, somebody. 
I'm just so worried. And, and, she, and he's like, they're like standing up, like pacing around and getting everybody all worked up. Like, you know, it's like some people just want to get a response out of people. And he's like, I'm just so worried. And he's like, here goes the shortness of breath and the heart palpitations. And, you know, forget the word of God is in the background somewhere. But, you know, I'm just so worried because so-and-so said this might happen. And, and you know, and this is no disrespect to this person. But uh, he said, oh, is that so? He said, and, and who is so-and-so? And she said, well, you know, Mike Lindell, the pillow guy. I have a my pillow. They're great. I endorse it. But just go with me here. Just a little bit. Help me out here to preach this. He said, wait a second. Mike Lindell? You're putting what a pill. This man is not. He's a pillow salesman. Just let that sink in for a minute. I love Mike Lindell. Okay, I love him. I'm not discrediting him. I'm saying that we take the words of man over the words of Jesus sometimes. That, my dear friend, is the cold hard reality of people within the kingdom if we're not careful. Would be to God we would just open the word of God and read the words of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> some, of us, some of us can tell everybody what the latest prophecy is, but we can't quote the words of Christ that are written in red. Can I tell you, a lot of prophets uh, were wrong. A lot of them were wrong. And that's not a political thing, okay? I mean, I... I <laughs> trust me. I know what I say here, okay? Um, so... And the, we go back to the story. And so they came up to him. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing in this storm? Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do now? We've got a Delta variant. What are we going to do? Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? The hospitals are full. What am I going to do? You know, don't you care that we're going to perish in this storm, Lord? And the Bible said Jesus was asleep on a pillow in the stern of the boat. <laughs> and then he arose. Cool. Calm, collective, went over to the edge of the boat, and all he said was this, peace. <laughs> Be still. Does the word tell us that? Some of us, the Lord is saying when it comes to our faith, peace. Do I need to read the rest of the text? How many know that's what he said? What happened when he spoke those words? The Bible said, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It was like the sun came back out, right? Birds started chirping again, and it was back to good fishing weather. And the disciples were just like amazed by this. And of course, he said to them, he looked at them and said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? I want you to really pay close attention to this because this is going to help you. Who is this that even the wind 
and the waves obey him. What kind of a man? Who is this? Let me tell you the problem was. The problem is not your faith. We think it's our faith sometimes. I know. I just need more faith. If I have more faith, I just need to pray more. Uh, you know, I, I just need to read the word more. We know that. Okay. But I just don't have enough faith. I just don't have enough faith. I just don't. Let me tell you something. Your faith is good. The problem is not your faith. It's understanding the authority that God carries. Because if they understood the authority that Jesus had, they would have walked over during that storm, saw him laying there on a pillow in the stern of the boat. They probably would have said, Jesus, it's not bothering you. I guess it shouldn't be bothering me. Scoot over, Jesus. Let me go ahead and lay down next to you. But obviously they didn't understand the authority that Christ was carrying. Come on, you know this. How many of you ever had a problem in customer service and you're like, can I speak to somebody in real authority here? <laughs> you ever had that problem? Come on. You ever have a problem because you're laughing, you know, we, we don't understand that, you know, there's people uh, that sometimes misrepresent the authority. Okay. Uh, and I'll say, and I'm not rude, but respectful. Can I speak to your manager? You ever had to do that one? Can I speak to a supervisor? This is 35 minutes on my phone. And obviously you don't know what you're talking about because your policy says this, 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 and this. And you're telling me the opposite thing. Jimmy told me a great story of Roy White. We're praying for Roy's wife and she's going through a major, major surgery out in Pittsburgh, which is the only place in the country from what I understand that they can do this particular thing. How many know that God heals our bodies of every sickness? Okay. And we're not anti-doctor here. For the record, okay, it's been said before, I'll say it again, they fight the same devil that we do, okay? But, uh, you know, we, we love Roy. He's become a dear friend of, of this house and, uh, and our family. And, of course, he was a decorated uh, New York Yankee. So how many know he's anointed? Amen? Praise God. When a guy like Bernie Williams stands up and says, he taught me everything I need, uh, anything I know about uh, hitting, switch hitting, and they retire his jersey. And Roy was here the morning on that Sunday morning. I'll never forget watching that scenario on ESPN on Sunday night when we dedicated Strawberry Fields next door. He wanted to throw one of the first pitches. But Roy became a good friend of this house. And he asked us to pray. And so I want to say this to somebody today. God is not only concerned about your spiritual needs, but he's also concerned about your physical needs too. He's also concerned about your finances and your health and your anxiety and your depression. How many know God is concerned? Amen. And so, uh, you know, talking about authority. And Roy said to Jimmy, he said, you know, it's, it's a serious matter. My wife is going through this major, major surgery. There's only one place in the country that can do this, uh, perform this, you know, surgery. And he said, you know, Jimmy, it's going to take a long time, right? I mean, it's like the stay and the... And he said, you know, I called out there, and it's very expensive. He said, I could, you know, it's a minimum of a month that we have to stay there. Very intense. I won't go into all the details. But uh, he said, man, I can't get nothing. I can't hardly get a condo and all that stuff. And he called Jimmy, and Jimmy said, as a good Italian would, let me make a phone call. To someone who's in authority. Are you getting the picture here, folks? And so he made a call, right? Man said, 
I'll not only give them one suite, in, I won't say the name of the hotel, because I don't want everybody calling my friend, okay? But I'll give them two that are connected. I'll give them a luxury car, and I'll give him a credit card, and all the money that he needs for as long as he needs. You know what that is? Somebody in authority. That's not the gal behind the desk says, I'm sorry, we're completely full of rooms. There's no way, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to be able to do anything. We're completely full. No, it's someone that knows his name. Can you see the obvious parallel here this morning? Come on, work with me, folks. You know what my prayer is for you and for some people maybe watching at home? Is that you'll get so fed up and so frustrated with everything that the world is trying to pump in your eye gate and your ear gate that you'll say, you know what, I had it. And you throw up your hands and say, I want to talk to the one who's in all authority now. Amen. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands and give God some praise. So I've got to have my faith connected to the authority of God. Amen. Because you don't believe the validity of someone's words if you don't believe they have authority. You don't believe the word of God if you don't believe Jesus is all authority. Does this make sense? I'm just going to park on this for a minute and then we'll move on to the next one. But if you really believe these words, especially the ones written in red, this should be no surprise to us what's unfolding in our world today. If anything, it should actually encourage us. Okay? So secondly, so we got faith. You know, you could spend a lifetime just preaching on faith, but I'm just touching on these three. Faith, hope, and love. I couldn't get away from this this week. Every morning I woke up, God, what do you want me to say? Faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, love. Over and over and over. So secondly, we exercise our hope. So we exercise our faith by being connected to the authority of God. We exercise our hope. By connecting your hope to God's promises. Can you say amen? amen? So I looked up in Webster's this week. It was interesting. What is hope? What's the definition of hope? It says hope is an optimistic state of mind. We would say faith-filled state of mind. That is based on an expectation of positive outcomes. With respect to events and circumstances. In one's life. Or the world at large. As a verb, its definitions include expect with confidence, to cherish a desire with anticipation, hope. How many of you know the world is searching for hope today? Amen? I have, I have a mug. I should have brought it with me. I, I drank out of it this morning. I usually try to save for Sunday mornings, but uh, it's from Jesse DePlans from a couple years ago, a gift he gave us. It says, expect great things to happen. How many of you are expecting great things to happen Amen. in your life? It all starts with that expectancy that something good is going to happen to you today. Amen? Something good is going to happen. We focus, folks, can I just say this? I think we get out of balance here. We fo- it's not, we're not saying these aren't realities, what we've seen. We're not, we're, nobody's denying the sickness, okay? No one is denying the deaths and the problems and the issues and the trials and the struggles. No one is denying that. But we're happening to say we're using our faith knowing that he is in authority of it all. He's above all. And we're saying that we are, our hope is not built in the systems or the government or the politics of this current world as we know it. But our faith is in Jesus Christ and him only. If you believe that, why don't you give God a mighty hand of praise this morning. Connect your hope to God's promises. This book, 
is filled. You notice with over 7,000 promises concerning your life. If you really believe it, you're not going to be up at night worrying yourself sick. 7,000 blank checks waiting for you to cash them concerning your life. I wish to God I could cash them for you, but I can't. You, my dear sister, my dear brother, loved ones, have to make that choice yourself. Can you say amen? Amen. And so, you know, and, and it, it, look, I'm, I get this question all the time. Are we living in the last days? How many of you get that question? Do you really think? Now, there's a whole bunch of people, granted, that don't know anything about Scripture that we're also living in, so they don't have a clue, okay? But people that know the Word, they'll say, do you really think that we're living in the last days here? How many of you believe that? And so there's so many Scriptures, I just can't read all these. Kyle preached a little bit this morning on this same... It's amazing when God's trying to say something to a house... And get it out to people that he'll literally give the same train of thought to his preachers. Have you ever seen that before? You come together and say, what's God saying to you? What are you preaching on Sunday? Well, I'm actually, I'm like, are you kidding me? That's what I feel God's been saying to me. Matthew 24 and verse 3, if you have your Bibles there. Again, hope. Our hope is not in this world. The end times, again and again and again, it talks about the end times. Revelation 6, 8, don't turn there, but it talks about... It forecasts deaths all over the globe. Sound familiar? By sword and famine and plagues, pestilence. You know, Jesus gives many, many, you know, blues clues. You know what blues clues are? I'm a grandpa now. I'm having lots of fun. (laughs) In his word, so you can figure this thing out. It's not rocket science, folks. It's right there in black and white and in red Especially if you read those, you can't miss. You're like, ah, I get it. This must happen and that must happen and that must happen before the coming of the Son of Man. Oh, okay. So I really shouldn't be worried like people who don't even know Jesus. I really shouldn't be having heart palpitations, sweating palms and white knuckles going into work in in the morning thinking that somebody's going to sneeze on me. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's just cut through the chase. Anything happens to me, it's a shortcut. Anything happens to you, it's a shortcut. I mean, why would you want to stay here anyway, really? For what reason? Show me one reason, other than the work of God, why anybody would want to stay here, my God. Amen? And once he calls us out of here, how many know then it's going to be real anarchy? If you think that 2020 was bad, folks, fasten your seatbelt. Matthew 24, the signs of the times, if you have a really good Bible, and the end of the age. And now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, he being Jesus, and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? They were asking the same question that we're asking now 2,000 years ago. And what will be the sign of your coming? And at the end of the age, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. How many know many are deceiving others today? For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Again, don't worry. Okay. Be happy. The great theologian Bob Marley said that many years ago. (laughs) And all these things will come to pass. But the end is not yet for nation will rise up against nation. Sound familiar? Kingdom against kingdom. Come on. 
And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Mm, Man, we could preach on that word offense right there until the cows come home, couldn't we? You ever seen a generation where people are so offended in your life? And you know what? Can I say this to maybe some young preachers watching? Preachers are afraid to preach the whole gospel because if somebody's going to leave. I would say, listen, you're going to give an account to God, sir. There's an offense to the cross. There's an offense to this book called the Bible. I'm not telling you to quit the ministry. Don't get offended by that statement, okay? <laughs> but understand there's an offense. Jesus said it. These are not my words. There is. Many will be offended, and many will depart from the faith. Sound familiar? And, you know, one will betray another. How many know brother will rise up against brother? We know that. Somebody called me this week about that. I'm seeing it in my own family, they said, you know. And will hate one another. Then many false prophets, oh boy, uh uh-oh, will rise up and deceive many. And many, and because of lawlessness, will abound. Sound familiar? Come on, they were trying to burn down major cities last year alone in our country. Have you ever seen anything so crazy in your life? It's prophesied right here. Amen? But what? The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures until the end shall be saved. Aren't you thankful for that verse? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. It's a witness to all the nations. And then, everybody say then. Then. The end will come. And then what? When these things come to pass, church of the living God, when these things come to pass that have been prophesied, Jesus said, take heart, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. If that isn't a good place to say praise God, I don't know anything that is. When they come to pass, look up, because he's about to split the eastern sky wide open, coming back with fire in his eyes, a sword in his hand, a crown on his head, coming to reclaim his pride. Oh, I don't know about you folks. But I'm ready when the Lord says, will you ride with me? Whoo, Jesus. Somebody said, what kind of car would Jesus have? I always said a Mustang. (laughs) You know why? Because the Bible says he's coming back on a white horse. Amen. (laughs) What do I do with that? You got to pray, God, open my eyes. To understand and discern the season, the hour in which I'm living in now. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see your plan and purpose behind all this. Help me not to look at the wind and the waves and the storm, the hurricane that's going on. When you're sleeping right in the boat with me. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. He would be with us. Come on, somebody, even until the very end of the age. Amen. Almost there. It could happen in this service. I think it would be the greatest way to have an altar call known to man. Can you say praise God? Can you imagine? I know everybody here is saved. Everybody's on fire for Jesus. I mean, hopefully. But can you imagine what will happen in church if the rapture took place in the middle of a Sunday 11 a.m. service? A. 
Anybody that's left here, I promise you, a preacher won't have to get on one knee, hold a Bible under his arm, and plead with people. But how many know people would just run to the altars? And they'll fall on their face before God. And they'll say, God, I'm sorry. It's better, and I'm going to give an invitation in just a moment to get right with God now than to wait until it's too late. Amen? Amen? Faith, hope, whoo, Jesus, there's so much here. My son said, Dad, how in the world could you even get through three of those points like that? You could preach all day just on the first one. I said, I know, but I'm not like you. <laughs> Amen. Jesus preached so good that, you know, people got hungry when he was preaching. Now we know that's a real litmus test, all right? <laughs> We connect our hope. We, we believe the promises of God's word. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for them that love God. Do you love God today? Amen. Then he's working things out for your good. You say, even the things I don't understand, of course. Even the bad things in my life, absolutely. I don't understand why this person died. If that happened and why this didn't go the way I thought, why this didn't turn out. You're never going to understand all those things. That's where your faith comes in. If you only have faith, you know, in the fair weather flying days, you don't have faith at all. Amen. Amen? Faith, hope. Yeah, and again, the favor of God. Man, I'm telling you, it's, you know, we went to the Hartford Fair yesterday. How many have ever gone to Hartford Fair? I had no plan to go to the Hartford Fair, but I find out my kids do things at the last minute. I don't know where they get that one from. I think it was their mother's side. <laughs> and so my one son says, you want to go to Hartford Fair? And I was like, yeah, when is it? Like two weeks from now? He's like, no, in five minutes. <laughs> Try to get ready for Sunday here. He's like, we're taking the kids. Okay, we'll be there. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> Love is spelled T-I-M-E, right? Yeah. Amen. You can always make more money, but you cannot make more time. Spend time with your family. Spend time with your kids, especially your grandkids. Hug them, squeeze them, and love them. And let them know that uh, you love Jesus. Amen. Amen? So we go to the Hartford Fair, and the first thing I think to myself is, how much are they going to charge me to get in this thing? Do you ever think like that? I know you guys never do. <laughs> we literally walk up to the gate, we take a picture. My oldest son, our daughter-in-law, Carolyn, Lorelai, and baby Levi. His first heart for fair. He's got a little hat on. I know, you're like, I don't get it. It's okay. Just, just let me have a moment here. I'm a grandfather. I'm loving <laughs> the season of life I'm in. Terry understands what I mean, don't you? How many grandparents are in the house here? Okay. How many of you, just parents, your parents, just parents only. Wait, the best is yet to come. Really, it is. You get all of the joy of loving the kids without any discipline. And that's where the stress comes from. Am I telling the truth, parents? Come on now. They start acting up like, you know, in front of the preacher or something like that. So we go to the Hartford Fair, Ron, and we get up there, and I'm thinking, they raised it to $12 I had to get in here now. How many know they had to make up for COVID? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just having fun. 
Do you realize the favor of God? Somebody literally walked over to us and said, you guys need tickets? And I'm thinking, what are they going to try to like, are these uh, scalpers? Yeah. I used to go to the Eagles games. You had to watch out for those scalpers or Penn State down there, you know, State College on game day. You got to watch and get in there. It's like, this is not a right ticket. You got scalped, you know. But the lady gave us tickets, didn't she? Man, we walked in there scot-free. I thought, what a blessing that is. How many know we need to take time just to thank God for the little things in our life? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But we're blessed to be a blessing. And, uh, there's so much happening here, man. I'm, my heart is... And again, we've got, we got to focus on the good things, folks. We can't keep focusing on everything that's not right. Amen? Here's my last one here. Fill your heart with God's love and have compassion on the lost. Fill your heart with the love of the Father so you'll have compassion on those that don't know Him yet. It's real simple around here. If people don't know Jesus, we don't expect them to act like they do. Somebody's a Christian, that's another story, okay? Somebody's a member here, that's another story. There's certainly standards. But people that don't know Jesus, and I look at, Heather, what you're doing up there on God's mountain, I mean, what a blessing, right? Like, God has you right exactly where he wants you to be, right? How many know God never wastes a hurt? He never wastes a hurt. In fact, the worst things you've been through in your life the most embarrassing, humiliating circumstances, and we all have them, by the way, in our past, how many know usually will be your most powerful form of ministry? Nobody understands a drug addict like a former drug addict. Nobody understands an alcoholic like a former alcoholic. No one can understand the parents of a Down syndrome child like parents of a Down syndrome child. There's just something that God has put in us that said, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you've done it with, I'll use it for my honor and for my glory. Amen. But it starts with love in our heart and having compassion. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us, you know, and I, and I just I wish I had the time to get into all this stuff, but there's stories. There's the feeding of 5,000. You know this. How many know there's the feeding of 4,000? Some theologians think they're the same story. They're not. They're in two totally different geographical places that are lined out in your Bible. That's why you've got to read and reread and reread daily. Otherwise, you'll miss a whole bunch of important information. You know what that says to me? John, it says to me that God fed, Jesus fed the 5,000, which probably they say, with, that says men, which probably means with women and children, you're upwards of, what do you think, 15, maybe 20,000 people? Some people believe 25,000 people. He fed them with 12 fishes uh, and loaves. You know the story, right? But notice that and then he does it again with 4,000. You know what that says to me? Just a little side note here. That if God did something for you once, how many know he'll do it again? Amen. So why should we worry and be like people who don't know Jesus? Amen? Amen? I'm almost done. I'm going to land this plane and then we're going to go home and hopefully eat something healthy. And get ready for Thrive tonight. So, you know, Jesus, the Bible said, had compassion on the crowd. That's love, right? Amen. He had compassion. He felt like they were harassed. Uh, some translations, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, right? Amen. 
And what did he do? He looked at the disciples and said, feed them. You feed them, right? Can I tell you what, again, God is not only concerned with our spiritual well-being, he's also concerned with all of our needs. And I'm thankful for this church right here. If I can just say this for a minute. I went over to that food line on Friday and countless people in their cars while they were receiving like hundreds of dollars worth of free groceries from this house said, thank you. One lady said, this church is such a blessing to me. Amen. Amen. She said, you know, someday, Pastor, I'd like to talk to you in person. I said, I'd like to see you sometime. I said, stop by the church sometime. Preferably on a Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because there's spiritual food going out too, right? There's fresh bread in the house of bread. Think about it. But he had compassion on the crowd. We have to have compassion on people. I want to give you a great quote before I'm done. Howard Thurman, great theologian. I don't know if you read his stuff. He said this. The power of prayer is directly connected to your willingness to become part of the answer. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good? The power of prayer is directly connected to your willingness to become part of the answer, part of the solution. And so love, feeding people. Grief share on Monday nights, Linda, and the people that are going through incredible loss of life. Recovery ministry here on Mondays. Overcomer, Overcomers Outreach, Ed and Karen. People struggling with addictions. God's Mountain Recovery Center. It's far beyond just the 11 a.m. service, and I'm not minimizing this because everybody needs to be in God's house consistently. Amen. 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 Like I said, I was on vacation last week. I went to church. I wouldn't miss the house of God. Amen. You know how nice it was to walk into another man's church and they didn't know I was a preacher? <laughs> I'm like checking it out. How many of you understand what I mean? I want to know what that kid's ministry is like. And if it's not up to my liking, I'm going to tell somebody about it. No, I didn't do that. I really didn't. But, you know, how many of you understand? You're looking at, as a pastor, you look at things through different lenses, different eyes. Mike, it's like your business. If you went to another man's business and they didn't know you're in your line of work, you'd look at it objectively, right? What could I learn from them? And man, I walk in there with my family, my in-laws. They're in the early service. I see this beautiful church, Summit Church. And uh, they had a woman pastor. She was powerful. Powerful. They had a Great kids ministry. They had, how about this? They were putting a new, they couldn't have church in the sanctuary because they were putting a new roof on and the rain came in. I said, man, I think I'm home. Amen? <laughs> the wind and the waves. They ain't going to distract me any. So they met in the gymnasium, which was connected, Ed and Karen. It was beautiful. Nobody even knew I was a preacher. I went to church with a pair of shorts on. I wouldn't ordinarily do that because the way I came up, but I didn't have any long pants. Besides that, if you think it's hot here, you ought to go to Tennessee sometime. It's like disgusting humidity, 300%, you know. But man, oh man, I mean, it, folks, they started with worship and the presence of the Lord. I just began to weep. Just be able to lift my hands and say, like we sang today, I'm going to see a victory. Amen. Amen. Well, the battle belongs to the Lord. She preached a great message on commissioning faith and that 
the importance of having a relationship with Jesus. And then she called up three people of her leadership team and, and asked them to pray about this rotten demonic virus that has attacked our nation. Red, yellow, black, or white, it don't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. Folks, this is something that needs to go back to hell where it came from. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. And our, our love, it's, it's, our compassion stems from a heart of love. And you know, I'm not going to read all this, but he says that. Corinthians 13, they called it the love chapter. I read it sometimes at weddings and, you know, at the end. And again, he says, now I know in part, but then I should know in a whole. But in the verse 13 of chapter 13, and now abide these faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, it's not faith. It's not even hope. The greatest of these is what? Got to have love. And I know you do. You do a good job loving each other, but how many know there's a whole world out there that needs Jesus? Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.